This sermon is from the new series, Overcoming Evil. We hope and pray that this message will deepen your love for Jesus and give you the courage to overcome evil with good. message uh, from the Word uh, to you, and uh, I, trust that, uh, I trust that your heart has been prepared uh, for uh, the message here uh, this morning. Romans chapter number 12, we're going to begin reading in verse number 12, and uh, we're going to be looking at the idea this morning of overcoming evil with persistence, overcoming evil with persistence. Let's look at verse number 12. The Bible says, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless this time as we consider the idea of persistence this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, just the great day that you have given to us to, to glorify you with. And Lord, to worship you with. And God, I thank you that, uh, Lord, I believe we have done so out of a heart that is just in awe of your goodness. And uh, we have come here to worship you. And Lord, I believe that the next 30 minutes or so are as equally as much worship as it is singing unto you. And that is the listening of your word. And Father, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to say that which would be pleasing unto you and Lord, only that which you would want me to say. And Father, I pray that you get all the honor and all the glory. I pray that you be with the listener here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In any walk of life, there will be times of good and great blessing and times of great difficulty. There will be times when you feel full of joy and there will be times when you feel quite disappointed or desperate in your life. So we've seen over these weeks in the book of Romans that it was written against the background of some darkening skies, the background of a world as a Christian that was a believer in Rome and how the situation would have become harsher and harsher. Nero had come to power uh, during the time of when the book of Romans was being written and then being dispersed to those early Christians. And let me just say this. There would have not been a single Christian that would have voted, so to speak, for Nero to be their leader. But evil was on the rise. And Paul says, as this evil was on the rise, in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And we saw that, that where that begins is a genuine love. And last week, we looked at how God calls you and God calls me to an energetic engagement in the world around us. You and I are to live not slothful in business. In other words, you and I, we're to keep the zeal, we're to keep red hot, fervent in spirit for God, even in a dark, dark world in which we live. And so today, what I want us to see is that God calls us to a steady tenacity, he calls you and I to kind of stick with it, a persevering attitude over the long haul. Sometimes we start things real well, but then we tend to fade over time. And so we see again in our text, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, 
continuing instant in prayer. Now, W.H. Griffith Thomas, he, he paraphrases this verse in his book that's called St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, and he gives us clear meaning here. It says, insofar as we have cause to hope, let us be joyful. Insofar as we have cause of pain, let us hold out. Insofar as the door of prayer is open to us, let us continue to use it. So let's start here this morning with rejoice in hope. That's where our text takes us there, rejoicing in hope, okay? And so Thomas gives us this idea, insofar as we have cause to hope, let us be joyful. So rejoice in hope. Remember that God is writing to Christians who within the first years of receiving this letter, they were enduring the persecution uh, that, was bringing to, that was bringing to them to where some of them were thrown into the lions. They were thrown to death as sport. Some of these Christians literally would have been used as torches in Nero's court to bring light by. They would literally have been burned alive. And these are the things that were going on in Rome when the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was writing this letter to them. The hope that Paul is speaking about here, it's not an optimistic feeling that things will get better. Hear me. Paul in no way was naive to what was going on in the world. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. If you were to look into, the, into this text in full, Paul is talking about the last days. Okay, You and I, we're living in the last days. It's more of a dispensation when we're waiting for Christ to return. And he's saying, in these days, it's going to get worse and worse. Men are going to become more wicked. They're going to become more deceivable by each and every day. He didn't hold to the evolutionary view of human nature. The hope that Paul speaks about here in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, is that what the New Testament calls the hope. It's the great and glorious hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. This hope is located not in this world, but in the new world, into which Christ will bring us into at the time of his coming. Paul again alludes to this in Titus chapter 2. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And so when you find, and you do not find, excuse me, joy in a world that is around you, hear me, you need to look for the joy that is ahead of you. Because there's going to be situations in your life where you're not going to be able to find anything that can give you hope. You might not be able to find anything that can give you joy. And Paul is writing to a persecuted people where they're literally being killed for sport or killed for light. And he's saying, hey, you need to, you need to rejoice in a hope. And you and I, we look around us, listen, if you can't find that, then what you need this morning is Paul's 
true meaning of that, and you need to look at what is ahead of you. You need to look to heaven this morning. Paul has already spoken about hope throughout the book of Romans. He says in chapter 5, but whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He goes on in chapter 8, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, there's going, to be, there's going to be things in your present day that you can't get excited about, you can't rejoice in, but that's all going to pale in comparison to someday we're going to be in heaven and we're going to be with God. In Romans 8, Paul, he talks about our redemption in our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? In other words, what Paul is saying, Paul's saying there's going to be, you, you're, you're not looking with your natural eye. So all you got to do is turn on the news and you think, there's nothing good out there, is there? I mean, people are dying here, people are dying there, people's heads are being cut off, and it's just brutal out there. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, it's not the hope that you can see with your eye. It's what ahead of you. It's you and I. We need, to, we need to rejoice in the fact that as the redeemed, as those that have trusted Christ as our Savior, better days are ahead of us. Amen? Heaven will be our home someday. Whatever our circumstances are today, you know what God says? Rejoice in hope. Now the question, of course, then becomes, how are we to do that? Especially... When life is so hard. So what I want us to do for the next couple moments is I want us to be practical here. I'd encourage you maybe, if, if you got a pen or something, jot some things down and maybe some ideas. Practically, how do you rejoice in a world that seemingly isn't joyful? That when you look out on the horizon of your life, circumstances are hard and are brutal. So how do, we, how do we actually do this? Let me give you some practical help here this morning. First of all, you need to stop indulging false hopes. What do, what do I mean by that? You need to stop indulging in false hopes. The, 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 uh, Solomon told us in Proverbs 13, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Listen, if you keep thinking that something is going to happen and it doesn't, guess what? It kind of starts to make you feel sick. If you keep thinking that, you know, that something's going to get better then, and it doesn't, what happens is, is your heart begins to break. So stop, hear me, stop putting yourself in that position. Do not live your life in such a way that you constantly set yourself up to be disappointed. All you have to do is look at our global world history in the last 100 years or so, and you kind of look to the end of the 19th century, and it was ending with extraordinary optimism. The terms of the kind of a golden age was going around as we were coming in to that 19th century. And then the first, or excuse me, at the end of it, then, the four, the four, the, then 14 years into the 20th century, we have our, what is called the First World War. And people began to say about that World War, and I quote, the war to end all wars. 
And then people began to say, if we can just, if we can just get through this war, then we'll be okay. And then you and I know later on we have World War II. And then, of course, 50 years uh, for, uh, of the Cold War, which ended at near the end of the 20th century with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. And that marked the end, and it said that we were going to have a new world order. And less than 20 years later, we are now immersed in a whole new kind of war, right? It's a war on terror, and it seems to be global all the way around us. So here's what people are saying every day. Here's the, here's the question that so often people are asking. When are we going to see the kind of world that we had hoped for? Can I answer that for you? You're not going to see it here. You're not. Looking at the last hundred years, we've really, honestly, when you kind of think of the last hundred plus years of our world, you know what you can kind of label it as? The era of war. This idea of utopia that we think about and we dream about, listen, it's doomed for failure. Whether that's a Marxist or whether that's an economist or a capitalist or an Islamic state, stop, hear me, let me help you this morning. Stop indulging in false hopes. It is the nature of the human spirit to think that we somehow can redeem the world. But a brief look at the history of our globe will tell us that we never are going to have it in its full capacity apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that brings peace. That's how you and I can live in this world and remain at peace. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in a few weeks here, but you and I, we still can live in peace in this world because Jesus is the game changer. But the vast majority of this world doesn't adhere to Christ does not adhere to his teachings, which, of course, are the word of God. And so, can I encourage you? Stop indulging in false hopes. Someday, ah, my ship's going to come in. Someday, I'm going to be rich. Listen, you might never be rich. And as I've proven to you over the past years, all you're going to do is compare yourself to other countries, and we are extremely rich. But, oh, someday I'm going to have that. Listen, stop that. That's what your hope should never be horizontal, ever. Okay? So practically, how do we continue to rejoice in this hope? Stop indulging in false hopes. Let me give you another one. Recognize short-term uncertainty. It's time we begin to just look at it from the real picture here. God tells us through James in James 4.13, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. In this text, you've got a, you've got a group of people that they're making plans. They're saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Here is where I'm going to live. I'm going to live in this city. I am going to go to this college. I am going to pursue this career. I am going to marry this person. I am going to have children. I am going to start a business. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with making plans. But let's just, let's just, let's just be honest. You and I, we don't know what the future holds. We have no clue what is going to happen to tomorrow. And I think the, the, the James here, he's kind of 
he's kind of being kind by saying, you know not what's on tomorrow. He's being kind. You don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. Because why? James goes on to say, for what is your life? Up on the screen there, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. We don't know what's going to happen today. We have a dear sister in our congregation that a couple months ago literally got in a car accident out of church. And praise God, everything was okay. But we don't know. How many people do you know that have already passed away in 2017? Think about if you were on a bus in Texas. Your life would have been cut short. You read about it this week? Church full of Christians from the Baptist Church there in Texas. The scenes were brutal. Don't put your hope Don't put your stock in something that is uncertain. Okay? Nothing wrong to plan. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong to to, to dream of maybe a home someday or for those that are single, to dream of a spouse someday and being a father or a mother to children. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying to say, hey, if we're going to actually be able to rejoice in this hope, that's not where our hope can lie. Because there's no guarantee that that will even take place in our life. A wise person will say, as James said in verse 15, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Some of you, this is your custom. You'll say, well, Lord willing, I'll be there. Okay? It's, James is not saying that's what you have to say, but certainly it's the idea of you and I should live our lives and begin to think, you know what? Hey, if God will allow this, then I will be there. It's, it's a mindset. We are not putting our hope in the uncertainty of tomorrow. The, the short life we have in this world, it's very uncertain. God calls you and I to live what? And to walk a windy road. It means you can't see around the next corner. We walk by faith, not by sight. So around that corner tomorrow, it could be great joy. And how many of you want that? Yeah, Right? But it also could be great sorrow. It could be great depression. It could be a great discouragement and of a trial. But here's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but guess what? I know the final outcome. And the final outcome is I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. If I take my last breath today, then I take my first breath in heaven. I don't know about tomorrow. But I know about the final outcome. And you still, you can rejoice in that. Let me say thirdly, practically here, rejoice in long-term security. Don't set yourself up for heartbreak. Okay, don't do that. Don't put your heart in, in, in your soul and your excitement into things that are very temporary that can change tomorrow. Rather, look to the long-term, the long-term security that we find in Jesus. G, uh, Stephen Turner wrote in a poem called In Heaven. Let me just give you a portion of that. There will be no soldiers because there will be no war. There will be no doctors, no surgeons, no nurses. There will be no prison wardens, security guards, undertakers, insurance salesmen, judges, watchmakers, firefighters, evangelists, gossip colonists, prostitutes, or ambulance drivers. Hallelujah. Because in heaven, there is no longer any sin. 
No longer any sin in you and no longer any sin around you. Praise God for that. That's what you cling to. That's where your hope resides. Never again are you ever going to grieve someone else. Never again will you be tired. Never again will you be wearied. Never again will you ever be discouraged. Can somebody say amen? Never again. You will enjoy the blessings of a world of heaven where every person truly loves the person to their right and the person to their left. No violence, no hatred, no fear. Paul, or, or excuse me, John gives us a little glimpse here in Revelation 21. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I stand before you this morning to tell you if you live a longer life, you, you, you have many, many, many more years. Listen, they're going to be filled with brutality. So you better rejoice in the life to come. Doesn't mean we don't enjoy the things here on this earth when, when you have a great day. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't put your hope in that. Because what if you lose your eyesight tomorrow? What if you lose your hearing tomorrow? Some of us love to be independent. What if a doctor tells you, you can no longer drive? You never know. You could have a simple, you could have a surgery that could cause you to where you can't have your freedom, so to speak, that you have now. Listen, rejoice in what we know. And that is there's an eternity coming where none of the aches, none of the pains, none of the brutality of this world will reside. And so Paul tells us, hey, rejoice, rejoice in hope. But he also tells us here in this text, be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. Let's go back to Thomas's words. He says, insofar as we have cause of pain, let us hold out. Now you and I, we don't use the word tribulation much in our vernacular. If you've been in church any length of time, you know that there's the great tribulation in the book of Revelations. But I don't know about you. I don't really use the word. You know, I'm not in the offices with Pastor Mike. I'm like, man, I'm under great tribulation today. It's just, yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't really use the word today. Well, can I give you words that we do use today that describe what the word tribulation means? Crushed. Pressured squeezed, stressed, burdened, troubled. So you and I were to be patient during times of what I just described. Now hear me, if your hope is in this world, then when your life in this world gets crushed, your hope gets crushed. You following me? But if our hope is not in this world, if it's not on a horizontal basis, but rather a vertical one where we're clinging to Jesus, where there's the hope of heaven someday because he died on the cross for us, when that's our hope, listen, we can get crushed in this world today, and guess what? We can be patient through it. We can continue to walk through it. You will have the capacity to endure 
and to be able to endure in patience. You will be able to say what Abraham said in Hebrews. It says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You and I, we're looking to that day of when we get closer to heaven. Rejoicing in hope makes it possible for you to be patient in affliction. Hear what I'm about to say. Follow the train of thought here. Some of us, we're not patient in our tribulation. We're not patient in our trials, and we're constantly complaining. Why? Because we're not looking to heaven. We're looking for life right now to satisfy us. And guess what? Life can't, and it won't. Instead, it'll crush you. Instead, it will bruise you. Instead, it will pressure you. Because you and I, we weren't meant to live here forever. We weren't meant to feel at home you know the song, we're just a passing through. You and I, we're, we're meant to rejoice in heaven. So if you and I, if we're not starting with the first point, listen, this point becomes brutal. It becomes hard. There will be seasons of life in the world that you simply have to endure. Paul speaks of a season in his own life where he was undeniably crushed. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, it says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. You know what Paul, if he were standing here to say, he would say, hey, I don't want you to get this idea that the Christian life is easy. And so since I don't want you to get that idea, let me let you in on what really happens in the Christian life. He said there were some times where I felt like we were literally going to die. Despaired even of life. Now imagine if I were a salesman this morning and I was trying to get you to sign up for the Christian life and I said, hey, it's going to be hard. Hey, you're going to, sometimes it's going to be so brutal. You're going to be literally gasping for air. How many want to come along? No, thank you. This is real hour. No, thank you. But that's the reality. And I don't mind preaching that as the reality. This preaching out there in the world today that says, oh, everything's going to be great. As soon as you become a Christian, it's going to get easier. Actually, it probably gets harder. Harder. So what does God require at this time? When you're being, when you're being crushed, when you're going under the, 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 the tribulation, the pressures and the stress and the physicality of life, is no longer good. What what does God tell us? He tells us to be patient in tribulation. You know what God doesn't tell you? God doesn't tell you, hey, hey, make sure you have this vibrant testimony of how good God is during this. You know what God doesn't say to us? God doesn't say to us, listen, God does not say to us, are you following me? That you've got to put on a smile and say, everything is great. I've been reading a book for the last month and a half that I've literally, I'm on my second time through it. It's entitled, No More Faking Fine. And it is rattling my cage. Sometimes we feel like we have to come to church and we ask, oh, how was your week? And you're thinking, ooh, it's great. And you were miserable all weekend. You want to know what I want you all to be able to do? I want you to be able to come to church and talk to somebody in church and be able to share anything. Doesn't matter what they say. 
and you don't even bat an eye. Instead, you say, I, I love you. Jesus loves you. Let me, let me give you Jesus. You don't have to fake it. God's not saying, hey, always have a smile. That's not what he says. He utterly, when you're utterly and unbearably crushed, you know what God says? God says, be patient. God says, hang in there. God says, hold steady. God says, stay the course. Sometimes we feel this great pressure to perform when we are on display as we're going through a trial. You know what Jesus says? I am enough. Just endure. You know what Jesus is telling us? Jesus is saying, you know what? It's okay to have a bad day. I don't know where we got this idea that we feel like Christianity has to be where we are always perfect. Let me ask you, a world that is just racked with sin, can't even, can't even, doesn't even know which way is up and down, and you always have it perfect? Yeah, I really want that. No. You know what a world needs to see? A world needs to see a man and a woman that is broken, that at times literally doesn't know what to do. We say, but you know what? My God is faithful. I'm going to continue to rejoice and hope. I'm going to endure. In these times when you're having a bad day, or how about this, a bad month, you know what you and I ought to do? You've got to lean into Jesus. Lean into him. Learn that you're loved and accepted and the grace of God is awesome. Be real. That's what the world's looking for. The world's looking for a man and a woman that is broken in their Christian life can lean into someone that is the mender of all brokenness. And that is Jesus. Rejoice in hope. Follow me? Patient in tribulation. It's hard, I know. Let me give you thirdly, and we're almost finished, believe it or not. Be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Let's go back to what Thomas said. Insofar as the door of prayer is open to us, let us continue to use it. You know, there's more than just praying here once in a while when we feel the need. Make prayer the habit. Make prayer the, literally, the pattern of your life. And how do we do this? under the umbrella of the entire chapter 12, by the mercies of God. You and I, when we begin to see God as a merciful, gracious, loving God, guess what? You're going to go to Him. If God is this angry, wrathful God, oh, by the way, He is towards sin every day, no longer to you as a Christian. If that's how He is, we're not going to go to Him. But under the mercies of God, because of the mercies of God, you and I, we come to God. This is the great argument in Hebrews 4. We have a merciful, great high priest, and his name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be tempted. And you and I, we go to him because he can sympathize with us. He can understand, and it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm thankful that we're not going to the throne of wrath. Thankful that we're not going to the throne of anger. Instead, you and I, we go to the throne of grace. 
And while we go to that throne of grace, we receive mercy, and then we receive the great enablement to be able to live your life in Christ. It's a game changer. It changes the way we live our lives. Joseph Scriven from the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, said these words, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything, everything. God's too busy. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What a song. It's Romans 12 in the beauty of a song. And so this morning, you've listened so well. I want to end this morning by asking you a few questions. Let me ask you, first of all, do you have what it takes to live in this world? I want you to ask yourself that question. Do you have what it takes to live in this world? Do you have a hope that you can rejoice in? Do you have a patience with which you can endure this world? Do you know the help of God that is available to you at any moment in prayer? Because everything that you need, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have in Him. You can rejoice in the hope that He's purchased heaven for you. You and I, we can endure in this present time because there's going to come a day when there isn't any longer sin. You and I, we can literally go to God at any moment of any time, no matter what the circumstances is, and instantly in Jesus' name, you are there at the throne of grace. Your way of life will show to others where your hope lies. I didn't say it meant that you were saved or not. You and I, we can trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. But listen, if our hope, our everyday resting hope is not in Him and not in what He's provided, guess what? The life becomes a wreck. Earlier this week, I I took the task of asking this question to myself. And I want to ask it to you this morning. If my hope was mainly in this world, what would I do? What what changes would I make as Ryan Johnson if my hope was only in this world? Spent about a day and a half thinking about these questions. And here are my answers. Number one, I would take more time off. I would slacken the pace. I wouldn't work as hard. I would focus more on 
the, the attention on all the things that I want to do in this world, and I would live with the constant feeling that I'm running out of time. If this is it, if this is it, then guess what? I'm going to make best of it. I'm not going to work as hard as I do. I'm taking my foot off the gas. Secondly, I would give less. Because if my hope is mainly in this world, with all the things that I want to do, I would naturally have to give to God and give to others less so I could do my stuff. Three, I would grieve more. Because if my hope is in this world, then anything lost in this world would be an ultimate and an irreversible loss. I'd grieve and grieve and grieve. And finally, I would feel the need to seek my own vindication. If my hope is only in this world, is only in this life, then that means in this life is the only place where anything can be done, dealt with rightly. So guess what? I'm going to make sure that I win every conversation. I'm going to make sure, oh, this person said this to me. Oh, this person did this to me. Well, then guess what? I'm going to win now. If it only was this world, I'd have to make it right in this world. By about late Wednesday night, I looked at my list and it was striking to me. These are precisely the issues that Paul draws out in Romans chapter 12. Don't be slothful in business. Don't be slothful in your zeal. Hey, Ryan, don't, don't take the foot off the pedal. He says later on, and we'll look at this, contribute to the needs of people. Contribute to the needs of the saints. He tells us in our text here, be patient in tribulation. And he also tells us, never avenge yourself, but leave that to the wrath of God. Hear me, when your hope is in Jesus Christ and all that he has in ho- uh, all that he holds in store for you, your hope will change and touch every single area of life. So here's the invitation. You listening? Your invitation is to take your life, to take your dreams, to take your hopes, to take the things that you long for. And here's the invitation. Here, listen. You give it to Jesus. Give it to him. If you and I will, you and I will say, God, anything here on the horizontal way of life God, I give it all to you. We will do that this morning. There's some practicality to it. I tried to help you through that. Guess what? You and I will overcome evil. It'll come our way day after day. It'll come our way week after week and month after month. And you and I can say, you know what? Hey, it's, it's not about this world. It's not about my bank account. Doesn't mean you don't plan. Doesn't mean you don't think about retirement. That's not what I'm saying. But we don't live for this. We live for Him. 
So God, I'll continue to press on. I'll never forsake my family. I'm not saying that, but I'll continue to, I'll continue to press on. I'll continue to give. I will continue to forgive. God, I'll, I'll continue in Christ because the mercies of God are ever beckoning me. That's the invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you please give him your life right now? Give him the cares of your life. Sir, give it to him. Ma'am, give it to him. Give it to him. Right now. If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, you've got to give him your heart. Soul. Oh.